and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with international motivational speaker John Maxwell. Well, John, your latest book is titled Talent is Never Enough. Tell us how you came up with the idea to write that book and why and, and the general premise for the book. Well, the idea comes from Coach Tressel at Ohio State, Buckeyes football coach. I was going up to talk to the Ohio State team before they played Michigan a couple of years ago. And he sent me their manual, kind of the workbook that the players go through, and it has like their values and things such as that. And it had a page that was entitled at the top, Things That Require No Talent. And he had punctuality and work ethic and good attitude, just some things. And when I saw it, I thought, oh, my goodness, there's a book idea here. And so I literally took that as a seed thought. It became the book, Talent is Never Enough. In fact, I was just back with Coach Tressel this last year for another Ohio State-Michigan game, and we were in the back seat of the car. We'd just gone to a big Buckeye rally, and then we were going to go to the hotel to talk to the players. And I was telling Coach, I said, Coach, you know, I took that idea, and here's the book, and I signed one and gave it to him. And he said, John, he said, I've had people come up to me and tell me, because they know of our relationship, that you ought to co-author a book with John. He said, now I can say I have. Here it is. <laughs> and it really was his idea. But the reason I love the book is because there are a lot of people who have talent who never are successful, and mm-hmm. they are confused as why. In fact, you and I both know people. We know people that they're successful. And we say, why in the world are they not achieving more and accomplishing more? Well, what happens is people that are talented but don't achieve or hit their potential basically have relied on their talent. And they haven't understood that you have to put choices beside the talent to really make it happen. And so in the book, basically, I teach that you need to become what I call a talent plus person. Yes, you have gifts. I have gifts. In fact, everybody, I believe, has a unique gift and talent. So no one is excluded. Somebody who might be listening might say, well, you know, I'm not a very talented person. Sometimes when you think of talent, you think like a gifted athlete or a very gifted singer or whatever it is. But every person is unique. Mm-hmm. We have to find our strengths and our sweet spot. But when we do, then we have to make proper choices beside that talent for us to really be the success that we need to be. I want to ask you a question about heart. How important is a leader's heart? I think when the heart is right, the leader will value the people and will do what is right for the people instead of serving himself or herself first. So when a person says, how important is a leader's heart? My answer is, it's everything. Mm. Because if I don't have the heart of a leader, what will I do? I'll begin to put John Maxwell first. I'll begin to put my agenda first. I'll begin to manipulate people. I'll, I'll begin to move them for my advantage, which is always wrong. I've always said, you got the heart, you got the head, you got the hands. What I do, what I think, what I feel. If the leader's heart is not in the right place, I can promise you it's only a matter of time till the people will be led incorrectly. And how many times do we see that? So to me, the heart is everything. The heart of a person doesn't make them a leader. But Mm. once a person is a leader, their lack of heart could disqualify them very quickly. Wow. You know, I had the privilege to work with you closely for a few years. And folks, if I heard John say this next statement, once I heard you say it a thousand times, and it really summed up for a lot of us young leaders what leadership was. And you used to say this, and you still say it, and you've all heard him. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. That's sure. And so true. what I want to ask you is, a master leader, a teacher of leaders, when you think back on history and even in current times, what are some names that pop up in your mind when you think maybe some of the most influential people in history? Wow, that's a loaded question. And, <laughs> uh, but I think I can give a shot at that. I think you have to categorize leadership a little bit to appreciate the question you just asked. If you ask me who I think the greatest leader was in America in our history as far as a president, I think it was Abraham Lincoln. 
but you could go to also uh, Harry Truman, George Washington. In fact, one of the things that's interesting, if you go to great leaders positionally, like presidents of the United States or prime ministers of England, etc., you'll find the greatest leaders led during the greatest crisis. Crisis reveals the leader. What a crisis is, this is an opportunity for a leader to make a difference for people. Now, not all leaders respond well in crisis. They can be very poor leaders. So I didn't say a crisis makes a good leader, but it does reveal what kind of a leader you have. And I think Abraham Lincoln probably, because of his ability to be steadfast, taking our country through its most difficult time. Obviously, I think Winston Churchill, perhaps, was the greatest prime minister of England. One of the greatest leaders, I think, of the last century had no leadership position at all. Mother Teresa, would there be a greater influence on this world than this little nun out of Calcutta, India? I don't think so. Or look at Nelson Mandela, South Africa. Now, I know that after he came out of prison that he became the leader of South Africa, but that wasn't what made him such a great leader. His willing to forgive this man's capacity to look at all of the injustice that had been placed upon his life and rise above that and forgive freely made him an unbelievably awesome leader. So therefore, I think that as you look in history, I'm not so certain always that the greatest leaders had the greatest position, but they had the greatest influence. Martin Luther King would be a classic example of leadership in America. I mean, he was a leader of a civil rights movement, but he wasn't a senator. He wasn't a governor, congressman, president. He, he, I mean, he had a leadership position, but it certainly was not one of the top positions of the country. But look what an amazing leader he was. I know your father has been a tremendous influence <laughs> on sure you. Has. But now I want to switch gears and, and look at your leadership journey. Who are some folks that have just really shaped you as a leader beyond your father? Well, obviously, Dad's first. My brother, who's two years older than I am has always had gifts of wisdom and discernment, more than I. And so therefore, whereas he has spent a lot of time in thinking, and I'm probably having a bias toward action, I have found him to give me great wisdom and counsel. I often remark about Coach John Wooden. I just love to sit at his feet. I am always amazed at what I learned from him. And I've been with him so many times, I kind of always ask myself, will this be the time where it's redundant, and will this be the kind of the time where he runs out of gas, and you know what I mean, and it, there's nothing new. And every time I go, I come away just shaking my head and saying to myself, there is so much wisdom in that man's life, I'll never tap it. But he's been extremely helpful to me and has made a major difference within my life. I had a fifth-grade school teacher, Mr. Horton, who was the first person to tell me that I was a leader. Hmm. I'll never forget we were studying uh, kind of the, the court system in the fifth grade, and so we decided that we would have a, a court, and we'd get a judge, and we'd get a few attorneys, and we'd get a jury, and every Friday afternoon, we would have, oh, probably 15, 20 minutes of court, where we'd take all the kids that had gotten in trouble that week, you know what I mean, and misconduct, or, you know, whatever, and we would do a little court thing and just practice, and so Mr. Horton said, we're going to vote in the class on who should be the judge. I can still remember writing down the name of Bill Phillips, who was kind of set behind me a little bit, and it was a neighbor friend of mine. And I thought certainly Bill Phillips would be the judge. And when they tallied up the vote, Bill Phillips had one vote, and I had all the rest of it. 
And I remember I was totally bewildered. Mr. Horton said, John, you look act surprised. I said, I'm shocked. I said, I thought it would be Bill Phillips. And that was the day he set me aside. He said, John, he said, this entire class follows you. And what you do and what you say has an influence on them. And I'm kidding you not. It was the first time that I said to myself, well, I have leadership ability. I didn't ever know it or recognize it before that time. Well, when you ask people, ask me a question on who influenced me as a leader, he gave me that incredible wake-up call that day that from that point on, I have always looked at myself and viewed myself as a leader. And the reason I say that is because, you know, somebody listening might say, well, I'm a school teacher. You know, we have no idea. We have no idea. Every day we should just try to awaken and ask ourselves one question, who can I today add value to? And if you add value to people, you're always going to influence them. And if you just go with that purpose and intentionality, what I know is you'll begin to add value to people, and those that you add value to, you influence, and pretty soon you'll begin leading them. Not because out of position or power, but you'll just begin leading them because people want to be around people who add value to them. Mm. And a fifth-grade teacher gave you a huge push early on. Yeah, got me. Hey, got me started. Besides your own books, which are great, and you spend your life writing books to help others to add value. What are a few books that you would say are mandatory reading for young leaders? Well, they're the classics. They really are. My life was forever changed because of James Allen and his book, As a Man Thinketh. That book was major for me. It helped me understand that I am where I am today because of my thoughts, and I will be where I am tomorrow because of my thoughts. Norman Vincent Peale's book, The Power of Positive Thinking, great attitude book. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I read a book by David Swartz, The Magic of Believing, that just absolutely captured my imagination. And I said to myself, I'm going to be a creative person, and I'm, I'm going to go that way. Maxwell Maltz wrote the classic book, Psycho-Cybernetics. Og Mandino wrote Greatest Salesman in the World, which is a fabulous book. These are just classics. Now, what I'm doing is I'm naming books that I read when I was a young person because you ask about young people. But what I would say is most of those classic books are still in print. Mm-hmm. And, you know, go read them. I think books affect us based upon where we are in life at that time. And so you have to kind of be prepared or ready and receptive to great truth. But books truly became my best friends and changed my life. Well, because you're always reading and thinking and developing, can you share with us maybe something you're thinking about now? It's something new. Not give away the whole ball of wax, but what are you thinking about now? What's challenging you? Right now, I don't know if I'm going to write this book or not. I've been wrestling with it for a month, and I'm just not sure. This has taken me longer than any other time to make a decision on a book. I've always wanted to write a book entitled Making Your Dreams Come True. But I don't want to write a light book, and I don't want to write a book where it's kind of like, if you can believe it, you can achieve it, because I don't really believe that. I think the test is going to be, and what I've been thinking about since you're asking is, I've been working on what I call the dream test. Questions you have to ask yourself to discern if you have a valid dream. Because I don't think we help people by letting them go off with a dream that is not realistic for them, and yet we somehow, when they fail, we wonder why. And many people have a dream that is not realistic. I mean, all you got to do is go watch American Idol contestants. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Great and, illustration. Yeah, I mean, all you got to do is watch that and understand that, yeah, you may have a dream, but you've got to have a voice too. And I think I'll write the book if I can decide, design and, and really write out a good 
dream test that has integrity to it. And I don't know if I can yet, but sure. there are a lot of projects I have that many times I look at myself and say, wow, I just wish I was smarter because I'm not smart enough. And mm. I put them aside. Sometimes a year or two later, they come back and I say, oh, I, now I can tackle this now. So I have no idea whether I'm going to really write the book, but that's been really capturing my mind because if I could write a book with the dream test with great questions that would be really honest and help a person come to grips with is my dream realistic or not? Is yeah, it fitting my gift zone? Then it would be a wonderful gift to people. Mm. But it has to, if I can't do the dream test, I'm right, or at least what I would think would be right, I'm not going to do the book. So we'll, well see. Well, thanks for letting us behind the curtain. It's no, always that, fun. That's really behind the curtain, trust it, me. <laughs> it's, it's fun to, to get in beside somebody's brain like yours and find out what are you thinking about? Well, hey, will, in five years from now, when the book doesn't come out, that's you know, right. there's no dream book come out, people say, you know what? Well, the boy couldn't pull it through. That's he right. Didn't have the mental <laughs> capacity. Well, before I let you go, because I want to stay on this thought. What's the one big thing? You're not done by any stretch, and you've accomplished so much. You'd never say it, but you've accomplished so much. What's the one big thing you'd like to see happen as a result of your efforts? Well, that's very easy. And again, I don't know if it will happen, but probably eight or ten years ago, I was sitting down with my wife, Margaret, and it was in the early formative years of Equip when I was really committed to training leaders internationally. Just forming the organization, really wasn't training much yet. We were really just traveling internationally, just trying to find our way to make sure we had the ability to do this. And one time I was sitting down with Margaret and I said, I have a dream that someday in my life, you and I will be able on a plane to fly any place in the world. And when we land, there'll be people where we land that would come to the airport or would come to a setting where I was teaching, whatever, close there and say, hey, I learned to lead because of you. I'm a leader today because of you. And I said, wouldn't it be incredible that we could just do that so well that no matter where I land in the world, I would have people say, hey, thanks. I've become a leader because I learned your stuff. Now, that's a huge dream. It may not happen, but I would sure like to see it happen. We're hoping for it. We're going for it. That brings us to the end of this week's show. You can listen to this interview again or any of our other interviews. Simply go to historymakersradio.com. Thanks for joining us. History Makers.